Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording live. Well, not live. We never record live. Never but, live. Uh, we're not alive. But, uh, Barely alive. It's Saturday, January 18th. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk some sports. UCLA happenings. Yeah, 2020 is off to a rough start already, <laughs> man. It is. Uh, men's is continuously, again, going through very long growing pains. Um, yeah. Uh, men's basketball is rough to watch right now. It is. I guess, yeah, the SC game was just downright atrocious. I was there. Yeah, and I was trying to text you, and I also was very sensitive to the fact that maybe it wasn't a good time to text you. That was one of the worst days in sports for me ever. How was the impression of, what was the game day atmosphere like for that game? It was a decent crowd. There was a lot of people. um, Not a ton of SC fans. So in that regard, it was fine. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't as packed as it usually is when we're decent. And, but you know, the, the student section showed up. It was packed in there. So that was nice to see. Um, getting a free Under Armour shirt probably didn't help th- or hurt that. Yeah, I saw but, the blue out. Yeah. The thing is, like, the blue out, in theory, is so good, but our fans just blow, man. Like, you literally get a free blue T-shirt to contribute to the blue out, and people still don't wear their blue. I don't get it. I just don't get it. So people just didn't throw it on top of whatever they're wearing. They just put it to there the side. There were so many people just yeah who didn't do it, and you could see it in the stands. Like, um, I was there with a couple of friends from from business school, and they, one of the guys looks at me. He goes, "Man, this is a sad blue out. Like, these people aren't even bothering throwing on the free blue T-shirt that they got." And I was just like, "I don't want to talk about it." Is uh I I also I mean I just contribute that uh, the combination of people be like oh that's because they're L A fans but it's also just because the program is like just not something that they feel like they're missing out on I think that I guess that goes into the L A fan thing but I guess that's an American thing like for example if I don't put on this blue shirt um it won't mean like it won't really contribute to the fact that I'm missing out on this experience like I've shown up. Versus the excitement of, like you said, if the team was really good, these fans who are already pretty tough in terms of their participation and entitlement uh, would go ahead and say, like, oh, this is something I want to fully support. So I just I kind of take it as a symptom of that, even though it's yeah, shitty. Maybe. I don't know. There's even times, you know, when we're good that you've seen this happen, like. The fans just don't engage as passionately as, like, you and I obviously would like. And, and probably, I mean, there's other other Bruin fans out there that are passionate. But it's just frustrating. It's a lot of these, like, old head guys, right, who just are stuck in their ways. And they just, I don't know. They just it's, wrote out of work. And yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just it is frustrating though when then you go to another school's game and you know everybody is just going absolutely nuts and all in their actual school colors and it's fun to see and it's fun to be a part of and that's like 
what college sports are about and that atmosphere is just way better than professional in my opinion and like we just can't and and I do agree with you I think 90% of it probably is just a symptom of us being bad but we just don't ever seem to get it right and that's what sucks <laughs> yeah i mean again it doesn't help it doesn't help when like you get over a loss in the stadium because it just feels like nobody else cares and you're the only buddy who cares yeah and i also i i guess when we started school it was the beginning of the end of in terms of revenue sports being good and uh i mean even though you said football still i mean it wasn't it was mediocre at that point but my point is at least one of them was and with that i do wonder i I didn't see the culture then of course because i was from northern california but if like how was the crowd when russell and and love and collison and farmer and like these guys who you know in the mid-aughts were uh having the place rocking in terms of performance i do wonder that if it was supposed to be incredible i look i never actually went to any games when i was in high school um but you know i had a lot um one of my uncles used to go a lot and he'd always describe how like fun and exciting the crowd always was. And, you know, talking to students that were there those last couple of years, even that the Drew Holiday year where we were okay, um, we just, you know, weren't as good as the final four teams, but like all the, the students would camp out before every game and show up because they were still good enough and still sort of living off that final four hype. It was like um, that our first couple years as well. Right, and and you saw that actually even two years ago with, with Lonzo. Yeah. The Lonzo year, I would say we were kind of back to that kind of electricity in Poly, where every game was, you know, I wouldn't say completely sold out, but close to being sold out and, and pretty packed. Um, there was the one game in particular I, I distinctly remember being pretty crazy was against Oregon when he hit that three at the end to kind of seal the game. Yeah. Um, it was wild in there. Like I saw three people fall out of their seats. Like it was, it was crazy and it was fun and you could feel the energy in the building. And that was, you know, we were, we were winning a lot. We didn't even win a championship or get to a final four. Like we were good, but I mean, we did. We were a number two country. I mean, right, number two in the country for like a few weeks. So right. Uh, but I, I guess my question is, even when that was happening, do you remember the the Zek mom and dads like putting on shirts and taking part in in, in that, or were they still sitting there like cheering on with? I don't the, remember. Yeah, the Zek mom and dads. <laughs> um, you know, I don't remember because it was just so much louder and so much more fun like even if they weren't it was so much easier to like you just didn't notice them i see well i don't want to take up too much time speaking about the game day atmosphere but it just sucks along with sports yeah it's a symptom of us sucking so yeah we start to nitpick like certain things like that just stand out because what's happening on the court is just also atrocious No, it makes sense, and and people are just not at their best behavior. Right, yeah, it sucks. Um, Speaking of the actual sports, you know, we're looking at 
um, an eight and nine UCLA team. We we just the talked only about team in the Pac twelve under five hundred. God, it's bad. Um, yeah, lost to Southern Cal, which is you know the like nature feels like it's been turned upside down. Mercury is in retrograde. Yeah, it's not not good. And then, you know, against Stanford, it was a weird game because we actually started leading for a little bit in the first half and then absolutely fell apart in the second half. And that kind of led to a lot of comments by Mick Cronin um, in the postgame presser where people, a lot of fans are upset that he's calling players out and calling the team out. And I have been very, very clear about this. I have zero problems with it. No problems at all. Like, these guys are goddamn soft. And if a couple of comments in the media run them off, like, they're not going to succeed anyway. Like, they're just not going to succeed here under him. So, so be it. Yeah, and they're going to deal with much worse in the NBA if they're trying to make it there. Right. I mean, or look at even overseas. Like it is, like they're very much coddled, and they don't even understand. I it feels like these a lot of these guys, um, especially the couple of older guys, you know, they got here. They're like, oh, I'm a UCLA player, and they just kind of took that for granted, and were like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna coast, be okay, and then get drafted or you know, be able to play professionally somewhere else just because I have this on my resume. But it just, it doesn't work that way. Um, yes, the four letters will help. Being in LA will help. But you, at the end of the day, you still have to be good and show that you can play. And they're just not doing that. So it's just, I, I have zero issues with it, you know. And people also... The big arguments I see all the time are, oh, you know, the players are going to hate Mick Cronin. He's going to lose the locker room. Blah, blah, blah. I have yet to find a single example. And by the way, anybody who's surprised by this has either been locked, like, in a dark room for the last 10 years and has not turned on the TV and followed college basketball at all, or they just are complete casual fans because this is a staple Cronin move. Like, he's done this so many times at Cincinnati. Um, And, of course, it's the same thing. People react to it in different ways. But, like, he's... we To expect him to come to UCLA and not do this was just probably very stupid. Anyways, he's done this in the past, and I have yet to find a single example of his players being like, fuck this guy, I'm over him, I hate him. You know, anything of that sort. In fact, everything you kind of look, if you Google it and look around about, you know, his players at Cincinnati and how they kind of respond and react to Cronin, like, they all seem to have a positive view of him and all like him. Uh, And all seem to understand that, you know, this is just who he is and a part of the game and that he's trying to you know, motivate them one way or the other, whether it's, you know, kind of publicly shaming them and forcing them to, you know, make him eat crow, whatever it is, like, it seems to be a tactic that he has used in the past and worked. Like, the guy got to nine straight 
NCAA tournaments at a place like Cincinnati with not a ton of talent. Like that's you can, you know, nitpick his his tournament record and nitpick other things, but that that in and of in and of itself is pretty impressive. And I can't argue with the guy if you know he's used this tactic effectively and you know been able to to get players motivated. Yeah, I have no problem with it. I actually was very happy that he did that. It was refreshing to me. I mean that he's done not even did that. He's done this because he's been doing it for a while now. Um, and if any, I, I I do agree. Like I did, what you said about the players. Like the only ones that I can think that would react negatively to it are not the younger guys. Are the ones that are on their way out who are just going to check out once they know that you know, the season won't really amount to much to their personal gain. And I'm speaking of someone who's just been benched, right? Um, And so, or benched as a starter who's not starting. And so, you know, when you have those actions that combine with him calling them out, yeah, I can see that negatively uh, impacting that. But uh, that guy, everybody, I don't think anybody will react much to other than that's my teammate, that's my brother, but yeah, he's not contributing to us winning or these guys aren't, you know, and this is why it, it is refreshing to hear him say that. But it's also what I'm happy about now is during the Stanford game um, or at the beginning, he 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 brought out the better players. Singleton is starting now, you know, and that's who we wanted to see start, you know, this year to begin with. Obviously, he was injured, but it's good to see that. And, um, you know, Singleton had some, you know, big shots early on in the uh, in the first half, and then he was taken out, and we saw how the momentum shift. But I think Cronin's going to learn from that. And we couldn't, you know, you can accuse him of overcoaching, but if he's going with these rotations for the first time and he's figuring out the flow, I, I'm just happy to see the adjustments that he under Like, these players understand that no one is entitled to the starting spot, especially in his first year, and they're not entitled to being protected as well. Like, yeah, right. they're his players that he's inherited, Right. But they're also <laughs> there are men who are representing young men um, who are representing the university, and they should treat it as such. He really is making it clear that it is a privilege to play for UCLA men's basketball, um, and it's it's good to see. I was frustrated when he kept starting Ali, and I was just like, why? You know, are giving him so much minutes? But you know, I think he's working through that. And it, it just give them time. Unfortunately, these losses are going to happen. And we're going to, like, again, the USC loss should never happen on any level. I mean, even losing to Stanford's frustrating. But um, it, 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 I think what I'm happy about is he's figuring out he's... I don't, what I don't want to see is him just keep mixing up, mixing it up. I want to see him stick with this rotation for a bit, you know, for right. a few games and see what happens. And then if... You know, if he notices adjustments, go for another rotation, you know. But this, again, at this point, eight and nine, we're not going to make the tournament. Um, again, our team doesn't accept NIT invites. So uh, let the. We're not even going to make an NIT at this rate. True. It's like, so this season, again, has already, I mean, at the beginning of conference play, has been a wash. Um, and at this point, let's just let him figure it out. And, and let's, I, I would harbor, uh, just scale back on the criticisms of how he's treating these players, unless there's something that just is blaring. Um, but I completely agree with your assessment on. Yeah. And it's, 
everything he's saying is like isn't just like an unfair criticism, right? It's all stuff that is valid. Like they are playing soft. They are not playing good defense. They're not, you know, putting in the effort. The same. like all the stuff that he's calling them out for is is absolutely true. It's not like he's just falsifying things and calling them out for the sake of calling them out, right? It's it's legitimate criticism that they need to hear and clearly they're I'm sure that they're hearing it in the locker room and clearly they're not responding to it and so you know when you go nuclear in a sense where it's like oh shit now everybody on earth everybody in the LA media market everybody who's a fan is now hearing that me as a player I'm not putting in the effort like, and I'm being lazy, I'm not playing the way I'm being asked to, like, you're either going to respond and work harder, you're going to try to get better, you're going to, like, buy in a, mo- a little bit more and be embarrassed by that, or you're going to react the opposite way and be like, you know, fuck this guy, I'm over this, like, I don't want to be here anymore, and that's fine, and, like, you should leave and find somewhere that's, you know, better suited for you, and that's, if that's the outcome and if, you know, a couple of guys end up leaving because of something like that, then I think overall it's better for the program because now you're not going to have kind of this soft underbelly that Alfred left us in this soft foundation. Um, and it's it's going to be a net positive in the long run. Yes, maybe we'll be, you know, a little less deep if someone leaves or, you know, more susceptible to injury or we lose, you know, a big up front that, might be contributing a little bit right now, but like either way, it's 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 gonna end up paying off because now we're just gonna have guys who actually want to be there and want to play in the style that the coach wants them to and is trying to mold them into. And I think it's it'll be a good thing in the end. Yeah, like you said, the soft underbelly. I think we're just doing some hard crunches and sit ups <laughs> and leg raises. And it hurts. We're like, yeah, we have, a, we have reps. a, we have like a beer belly right now. Like we have a big gut and what we need to do is like get a six pack. Big brewing gut. <laughs> this is a really weird, <laughs> weird metaphor, but I, I like it. All right. Um, um, well, speaking of, of, of guts, we took one yesterday. Ugh. I don't want to talk about it. It's too raw. I actually fell asleep again. I'm on the East Coast. I tried to stay up, and uh, I thought we were. I was like, "Oh, we're winning." Uh, doze off. I wake up like, "What the? F- <laughs> <laughs> Two overtimes? You you could have won again? <laughs> what?" Look, the uh, the mitigating factor, and you know, that's always tough to judge a team when you lose a player and like a key player in the middle really the beginning of this game, but like, you know, in the midst of a game going on and, and especially with someone like Michaela on, where I can't even say her name. Um, like that's a huge blow. I'm haven't seen anything. I'm not sure how long she's out for, but hopefully she's not out for long, but you know, having to change like your entire scheme in a sense in the middle of a game is not easy to do when you lose a key piece like that. So, you know, it's a tough loss. Um, and you couple that, you know, losing one of your best players in the middle of the game at 
on the road at your big rivals like stadium like it's not a recipe that you want to want to be in but you know there was, the positives were like they were down a lot and they fought back and forced two OTs and I know they didn't win but like this team has an incredible fight like a lot of teams would have folded under those circumstances yeah, and I also think it's it's just it sucks that it's USC, you know, that it had to happen to. But we were, you know, I mean, Colorado, we had a tough game. Um, like, it showed that we were going through a lot. Like, Close was worried about this in terms of the midseason, like, a stro- or a midseason stretch where the team gets kind of complacent. In some sense, it happens with college students, you know? And right. and so not to say we were due for a loss because like yeah the great teams in women's basketball just do not lose they go on insane streaks right yeah um, and it just shows that like this team still has a bit of maturing to do on that front um, but they also like you said they showed a fight to come back I was watching some of, you know some of the second half this morning and and yeah like it was impressive to see but. And it was a road game. It was against a rival. Like there are different emotions that that play into it. But sure, it's just, yeah, absolutely. And and once it gets once you lose by two points at the end, it's kind of like those are just tough games to swallow because you know it could have went either other way. You know, with small circumstances or uh, or you know if one event happened that could have changed it. But. Unfortunate. Yeah. I, I was happy with close again, these these two coaches have seemed to respond well to this. She seemed to really take it hard, especially um, you know, her post game comments were were very online of how I think and uh, the fans felt. So um it was it was good to see that. But if they're gonna I mean, again, if they're gonna lose, we wish it wasn't Essie, but it's their first game. They won sixteen. They they're do you know, they can lose. I mean, we don't want them to lose any, but like it's not the end of the world right it's 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 not even close it's just a trip like right this is still a very good team i still expect them to do pretty well in the tournament um and you know they could they're still have a very good chance depending on how they respawn and and play against you know oregon oregon state and all these other teams um that are in the pac-12 that are all ranked and good um, like there's still a chance they can win the Pac-12. Obviously, losing to a bottom feeder like SC is not good, but it's in the context of the loss. You can kind of see where it came from, and you know I'm not worried about this team, and I'm not really worried about this program in the sense that you know this like close has this program on a trajectory that you know could set them up to be a powerhouse for years. She's recruiting incredibly well. We have all these young players that are incredibly talented. There's depth on the team. Like everything's rolling for the, for her. Um, and it's it's interesting to see that parallel. I think we've mentioned this before, but um, she, I distinctly remember when we first hired her. Everyone was sort of like, eh. Like I think she's a good coach. But we'll see how she does. And then the first few seasons were kind of up and down and people were sort of ready to you know jump ship and then now we're sitting here like you know give her time 
give a coach some time to install their system and coach the players how they want them to. And, you know, this is where you get to. Like, you're 16-1 and one rolling into the rest of the Pac-12 schedule. You have a very good shot of being a top seed, you know, a top five seed in the top conference. And, and Yeah, top three seed even and, and going in the deep. Like, yeah. It's... It's incredible to like see how a coach does after installing all their their what they need to into a program after a couple of years. So, and and I sign as hope that that's what happens with Cronin as well as you know first season maybe even second season. You know, hopefully there's an improvement, but it might still not be what we want it to be, and it might be a little bit of a struggle still. But once he gets that culture set and more players that want to play in that that system. I hope, and I hope I'm right about this, that like things will start rolling for the, the program. But um, speaking of programs rolling, um, on, to, uh, on to football. Oh, football. Uh. We've all invested so much time. Uh, so I think last week, uh, as in like, the first week of the year that Chip Kelly was reported, or maybe it was early this week, he was reported to be visiting Navy. And nobody really under, knew why he was there, and then speculation came out that he was asking them about their defense because their defense took an incredible leap um, statistically. And it turned out he was actually meeting with uh, their DB coach. Um, Norwood. And co-DC. Or no, and, co-head coach? Was he? I thought, he has okay, some maybe. sort of other title there as well. Which would make sense, given what he's titled here at, uh, at UCLA now. But, yeah, so Chip Kelly's hired um, Norwood. And uh, it kind of just... Um, a few things I take away from this, I'm sure you do too. Um, and we also heard this earlier, is that uh, Azanero is going to stay. They're going to go through. Which is his completely disheartening and a lot of people are starting to jump ship i i mean i know there was speculation that from his early signing day comments that um chip kelly was just saying what he needed to say to the media but there's still going to be a change and there still hasn't officially been you know an extension because his contract is up i believe at the end of february but um, it is looking likely that Azanero is going to stay. It's absolutely astonishing um, on all fronts. Any per, like amateur professional, I don't, I actually want to look up, you know, which coaches have kept their friends on staff after such a performance. Um, I don't know if I ever will, but that's the disheartening part. But I'm just a little puzzled now that he's hiring Brian Norwood as the defensive back coach, the associate head coach, and now passing game coordinator. It just, I mean, it goes back to like just the feeling a chip is just experimenting, but he really has no idea what he's doing as a head coach. I, yeah, I don't put a lot of credence into the titles he's giving people. Um... Yeah, that's sort of where I'm at with that. I don't know. It's like, but I don't can you go... find that issue as well? Like he gives, he promotes uh, Justin Justin Fry to um, to OC, but at the same time, is Justin calling? 
place, you know? Like, or is he just giving him a bump up to keep him from going? I don't you know? know. I mean, presumably like, he has it figured out, but who fucking knows? It's just, like, all these guys are getting extra titles. It'll be, you know, and then they're like, what are they actually doing? Like, they seem like they're still handcuffed, you know, by Chip Kelly. Who at this point, which is ironic because he runs this such a player-run program, but I, it still feels like he is like giving these titles but micromanaging or you know placing these strict con- restrictions on what these coaches can necessarily do in terms of recruiting, in terms of, you know, I don't know, they, they have to stick to the regime of coaching. I, I don't know. I'm like completely disheartened. I The change to me is just a Chip Kelly, again, trying to put... Um, it, it, you know, there's the barrel that's the water's just leaking out of, and he's just putting tape over it. But it's the water's gonna come out of that hole. And yeah, it's he doesn't seem to be. He's putting band aids over issues, right? He's not addressing root causes, and that's kind of what the the disheartening part is. That being said, I mean Brian Norwood seems to have a pretty um, accomplished resume and. He seems to be very, very well respected as a defensive mind. I'm curious to see, you know, if this extension for Azanaro still hasn't come to fruition, like if he gets moved into the D-line coach and uh, replaces Vince, a coach O, or what, what the plan there is. And I, again... I don't think I agree with you that it's not going to be like a logical plan that you and I can probably sit there and be like, yeah, we think this is on this trajectory. It's probably going to be like they're get he like he's going to move Jerry Ozenardo defensive line coach, but he's also going to become like the associate head coach and the running game coordinator, like something completely random and weird like that. It's just hard to predict. Yeah, I can't wait till Jerry Azanaro gets named like the the QB coach. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. He's gonna be like the coach's coach, coach coach. Yeah, the the Chip Kelly's coach. Chip Kelly's coach. <laughs> like, Man. does Jerry Azanaro like have dirt on Chip? <laughs> that I mean, that would make more sense to anything at this point. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. Like he he's got to have some sort of dirt on him. That's my only like logical explanation. But then again, no logic applies to any of this. So yeah, true. <coughs> Excuse but me. With that said, also the um, the schedule was released. Uh, yeah. For, for twenty twenty, and it's actually pretty favorable. We're really, I mean, it like any other year, I would be pretty happy with what the schedule, what schedule we had. I mean, with this schedule, I'm pretty positive about our prospects of uh, competing for at minimum the South. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a good schedule. It's the first schedule out of conference schedule, and we don't have a Power Five opponent. If we all want to uh, just remember that Rutgers pulled out a couple years ago. After the news of the Chip Kelly hire, they pulled out over the summer um, in 2018. And, Something uh, like that. 
Yeah, 2018, they pulled out of their 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 the deal um, to schedule Syracuse, which made more sense for them. In that sense, we needed to replace that slot. Uh, so we went ahead and did that, uh, and we put New Mexico State. And um, with that, that actually lined up, um, I think, a much better game and matchup, given that you know we're going to travel to Hawaii, and then we're on the road with San Diego State. Uh, following that, we play Stanford. Um, I actually didn't see where our buy, our, our second buy was because we actually get two buys this year. We get a buy between Hawaii and um, and uh, San Diego State, if I remember correctly. But it doesn't matter. We're losing but, all these games anyway. <laughs> but yeah, and then Stanford. We have Stanford at home, which is I think is pretty good. Um, looking at Stanford, they're gonna have SC right before us um at home and then they play us and then they play Notre Dame after so we get them at a good time and then after that we have Arizona who again seems to be in flux like us so that would be a battle of like the very confusing Pac-12 South programs and then <laughs> following Arizona at home we go to Arizona State which would be the our probably our toughest road trip at the beginning and that would be game one uh, but we somehow beat them this year so who knows I know very Pac-12. strange uh, but they're going to be much better, I believe, this year, especially with the talent they have coming on. And right, and their QB is going to be a little older. Yeah, he'll be a second year. And then we play Colorado, which I think we'll, we'll see who they replace at QB. But, I, I mean, they brought in a pretty decent class, and they're going to be year two under Tucker. So I would put them as a, a question mark. And they're our second road game. Um, so Is Steven Montez finally moving on? He's probably filing for a seventh year eligibility. I so, feel like he's been there for like twenty years, and he's like forty five years old. But yeah, he definitely he's been there since we've been in school, so it's been a while. <laughs> um, and so then Colorado, I I still think we probably go. You know, it's 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 a tough road trip, but it's still favorable if we're gonna have a back to back. Um, and then uh, you know, versus having the other teams, and then we go to. Let me see. I'm going off my memory here. I think we play Oregon. No, we play at home. We play Utah on a Thursday. And that Utah, which, uh, I mean, I guess if we're going to play Utah anytime, luckily it's on a Thursday at home, you know? And so, Yeah, but is that really an advantage when you think about it? Like, yeah, the Thursday thing helps, but and I didn't it's going to be like 3,000 people in the stadium. And I'm assuming I, now that going back over schedule, we probably definitely have a buy between Colorado and Utah uh, to give us days of rest. And I'm assuming that Utah does too. Um, so again, I don't know how much it's going to help. But again, this Utah team has lost a lot. Zach Moss, uh, Huntley, they're going to have Shelly who's going to be starting. Um, and so I'm curious to see how this Utah team is next year. I don't know if they're going to be you know, the winners of the South, I think Arizona State and unfortunately SC could be in the running. But I think those three teams will be the ones um, that would be favored going into the season. And But I, I wouldn't put Utah above the rest. Like, they had a great year last year um, with a lot of seniors. And so they lose a lot. So we just have to see how they bounce back and Kyle, Kyle does. And he could lose some coordinators, and you know, in between now and that time because there are, you know, still coaching changes happen. So with that said, Utah, we play Utah on a Thursday. It's going to suck because it's at home in L.A. It's probably going to be a very small crowd, but that doesn't Mostly matter. Mostly Utah fans. 
mostly Utah fans who come out. And then after that, we go on the road versus Oregon State, which I think would be a tough game. I think that's like one of that's not even a trap game. That's just actually just sounds like a tough game. They're um, yeah, they they looked decent last year. They beat us, but they were in a lot of close games, and like they're on a on a upward trajectory, kind of the opposite. Feels like they're on the opposite track from us where where we are tanking and they have kind of been improving. Yeah. Oregon State is also, I think, is going to be a sneaky team um, in the North next year, especially with um, with Washington. I think they, they can make a run for that second spot, along with Cal, Washington, and those three teams. I mean Stanford. We just you don't you don't want to say like I guess Stanford's lost a lot over transfer portals and seniors. So, but I would put you know Oregon and then those three teams and then Stanford, and in my head. But and then Wazoo is going to finish last in my opinion next year. So speaking of that, then we have Wazoo uh, at home, and which I think is a pretty good game before we play SC. Um, and they're going to be the first year. They actually, funny enough, had taken, had hired away Hawaii's coach, which was our second opponent of the season, and completely changed our outlook on how, you know, if Hawaii is going to be a win or not. And so that situation, I think, benefits us. Hopefully it does, but we never know. Rolovich is a good coach, though. He is. But I also think, I don't know who they're going to replace because, you know, Mike Leach was a QB whisperer and. I know, I think they brought in one transfer who I, f- I forgot who it was already for a QB. Um, but I, it's going to be interesting. It's just because it's his first year and they lost a, a few players, I want to see how they respond. You know, I just take it as a first year adjustment. But yeah, I think he's a great coach in terms of what he's done on a group of five. But again, power five is a different beast. So we have to see. Uh, and then after that, again, we have SC, the second to last game. Um, reasons being, of course, is because of the Notre Dame rule and somehow the Pac-12 schedule on SC's uh, home home years have given them a bye. So for f- four years in a row, we've had um, SC. The rivalry game is the second to last game of the season for us, which has been unfortunate. And that the, continues. Larry Scott needs to grow some balls and fuck Notre Dame. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, completely. Just say tell Notre Dame to go play some team in the ACC in November and stop coming to California every year. Or and then or just play Stanford every year for their last game. They can do that if they want. Like nobody, the big the big game or big game can be the second to last game. Cal and Stanford fans don't care. <laughs> um, and then after that, we probably our toughest game of the season is finishing versus Cal, which would be I think on the much road. better on the road in Strawberry Canyon. I think that's just going to be a tough matchup. Um, we always have a hard time winning there, anyways, and they're actually you know pretty good. And I would say there's a 25% chance, maybe 30% chance we could, you know, have an interim coach at that point, depending on how the season goes. So, because, you know, the decisions will be made after SC. Um, One can only hope. But, yeah, it's football season, great schedule. I, I would give this schedule a B plus, A minus in terms of, like, for once that we have a schedule to compete. 
But uh, our team continues to lose depth in players for a whole bunch of multitude of reasons, right? I mean, but we we didn't keep Devin Asiasi. Uh, Holmes have officially declared yesterday, even though it was kind of already known. We knew that already, though. Yeah, everybody knew since he, you know, signed with UCLA that he was only staying for three years, barring, like, a horrible injury. But, um, yeah, so we'll see. It's all, it's mostly going to be on DTR that, you know, I I guess we can go into the previews later. And we also, this team, we don't, you know, there's going to be more transfers. But today, as of the schedule, I don't know, do you want to do a prediction on what you think the schedule is going to be? Not yet. Okay. So wait till we, fall, after fall camp until, you know, we got to have a few more transfers still before we try to even attempt this. You don't want to do like a release day, like schedule release day prediction, and then compare oh, it man, to... The- I don't know. I'm just so depressed about the whole thing. I just, I don't, I can't even, uh, even think about it. Yeah, true. Well, Chip Kelly, you, you've gotten your schedule, you made your whatever coaching changes... Like this, whether you like it or not, this is your year to prove it. His seat is officially hot this going into the season. I know. Um, but yeah, that concludes UCLA football. I don't know what what thoughts did you have on the schedule? I mostly. Um, In terms of what, the. Any, uh, the schedule. Yeah, like anything else stick out to you reading it. Other than losing, all of um, <laughs> good question. Uh, I I had the same initial reaction. It's like, hey, this is a soft schedule. We could, you know, win eight to ten games on this if we were competent. My only thing is, it's like I don't have faith in anything. Like. There's no reason for me right now to believe we can actually accomplish that, even with the schedule being as light as it is. You know, it's... And then going into the season after that, we have LSU. (laughs) Like, it's just... It's not looking great. Like, this is the one sort of golden opportunity for us to take advantage of, and I just don't feel like we will actually be able to do so. Yeah, and again, the weird thing about UCLA and college football, I'm going to put it out there, is that imagine we start out 5-0, and right? And we're rolling against Arizona. Just based off of what we've seen um, with the whole uh, Stanford, Arizona State, Colorado stretch this past season, did you, like, it was, the media started to hop on, this is the sneakiest, you know, whatever, like, under 500 team, Oh, we we got like five, six recruits that weekend. It's just it college football is very weird. I again I wouldn't put my money on that happening with this coaching staff, but it this schedule does set us up to, to have a great season no matter what. And to it would be an atrocity to completely fuck it up and not even make a bowl. Which is completely possible too. The sad thing, it would be atrocity, but it's completely possible. And it's at this point, I would say it's six sixty forty that we will make a bowl, right? But that forty is a pretty steady forty. My my biggest concern is, it's even if we have a good year, it's going to be another blip on the radar, 
very similar to like last year, we had the three game win streak and people were like really hyped about, oh, it's finally turning around. It's finally turning around. This is just like a more macro example of that where even if we have one good season, it's everyone's going to be like, oh, it's finally turning around. It's finally turning around. And then the next season we just do the same dumb shit. Yeah, we just swept all the issues under a rug from the pat the first. Yeah, two only because yeah. the the schedule is is soft, and you know we can kind of win some games. But I that's what I'm worried about, and that you know one good season or one even decent season sort of extends this kind of Chip Kelly era when you know it's not an actual sustainable or real thing. Yeah, I get that. I can definitely see that. Um, similar to Alfred when he had Zoe and yeah. Leaf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he so, got a year, like an extra couple of years extended out of that because he didn't really have much to do with that minus he let a bunch of incredibly talented offensive players kind of do their thing and they were just so good playing together. It just worked out. I'd argue that if we had an actual coach with that talent and were able to play a little bit of defense, we would have actually done a lot better, but that is a different story for another day. Um, the what-ifs of UCLA, you could write a right. Bible. And, and th- th- here's the thing with, with football next uh, season, like even though the schedule's soft, like I don't know if the talent level is going to be good enough or be to the point where he we can just coast through some of these games, um, especially with the attrition that we're seeing, like guys leaving. It just it's a little worrisome that it, you know we lost Chris Murray, for instance, who was a starting um, O lineman. Like I get losing secondary and tertiary like players that don't see a lot of playing time and you know are kind of depth guys. But when you lose a guy like Chris Murray, that's worrisome to me. Yeah, that's the first time I'm like, even now the kids are starting to jump ship. And and not the kids who did it for home reasons or lack of playing time or part of Morris recruit, you know, which we still have some. Um, but this, yeah, that Chris Murray, that's going to be, I don't know, we'll see over time if that's an isolated incident, you know. And there's more to that story, or there's a story that we just never hear about, and whatever happens with him, you know, we'll see. But I, on top of just him not making a change for defensive coordinator, and nothing Chip's doing at the moment, and pretty much since he <laughs> arrived, has really just got my vote of confidence, and so. He's had moments where, yeah, it's it's again. He's had small moments, but nothing that's put a uh, me to say like this is our coach moving forward. I've always been concerned, and I I've always been optimistic that he'll get it together eventually, but always concerned about uh, you know the growing the the building of the program and if it was gonna work, um, along with the optimism and that growing concern. I think just for many of us has has kind of outweighed our optimism. Oh, for sure. It's, it's, yeah, there's only a certain, like, fans can only take it so much. And I think we're sort of at that point now. Yeah. So, you say football. 
Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, our baseball teams uh, and softball team kind of are both revving up in the next month. Um, Women's you know, beach, beach Volleyball is ranked number one. As uh, they should be. I'm hoping they can three-peat. Me too. Our women's water polo team was upset by number 11, UC Santa Barbara. Great. Which is not ideal. And then what other changes? Men's volleyball has been going up and down a little bit. They were down yesterday to UC San Diego for a bit. I don't know what the outcome of that game was. Um, yeah. 2020, folks. 2020. We were all hoping to start this decade off on a positive note. And uh, I think we all know what's going to happen. Once Dan leaves, things will get better, hopefully. That's what I keep telling myself. So. Oh, cool. another thing is Patrick Chun. I mean, the guy, the way he's handled the Washington State hire, again, I would be happy with him to be our next AD. Yeah, bring on anyone. Just bring me in. Bring me a competent AD, man. Anything. Basically, anyone with a pulse. Because <laughs> Dan is dead. All right. And on that note, is there <laughs> anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it. And uh, we're going to sign off now. Again, follow us at the Bruin Source. At Bruin Twitter, Source Facebook. You name it. I'll fight with you. Yeah, we'll fight. We're down to fight. Um, yeah. Cool. We'll have a good rest of your weekends, and go Bruins. Go Bruins.